What's up, guys? Welcome to the first episode of the Voice of Truth podcast. Today, I have on the podcast with me fellow students Garrison, Daniel, and Sawyer. And I'm excited to share with you, and I'm excited to have them share with you what God has been teaching us. The purpose of this podcast will be to dive into real life conversations and really just honestly learn how to think and how to talk about the truth. And there's a purpose behind the name. I don't know if they can see Voice of Truth written on the back, but there's a purpose behind the name Voice of Truth. And the really the main reason of that is just because of how much God has used that song in my life. I don't know if you guys have heard of the song. Daniel, have you heard the song? I don't think so. Oh, unfortunately. <laughs> well, it's a good song. So let's start this off with a question of all questions. Okay. When is the right time to start listening to Christmas music? The day after Thanksgiving. 100%. You can't, you can't go into Thanksgiving already listening to Christmas music without being thankful for the things that you have already. You know, Christmas is a time of gift giving, and Thanksgiving is really just a time of being thankful for what you already have and what uh, what God has given you already. I don't know, just my opinion. Like when I hear before Thanksgiving, I'm like, come on, it's still turkey time. You know, we haven't had our our green bean casserole yet. I strongly disagree. I think we should wait an extra week or two. What? Otherwise, wow. really? I thought otherwise, that I was conservative. <laughs> here's what I'm saying, right? There's really good Christmas songs. But the number of good Christmas songs are limited. Mm-hmm. If you're playing just Christmas music 24-7 yeah. for that amount of time, it's like more than a month, you just get tired of it. And yeah. it like ruins the effect. But there's no such thing as Thanksgiving music. I mean, exactly. Jingle, Bells Jingle Bells was is, supposed to be yeah. like a Thanksgiving it song. Is, but it's Christmas. It is Christmas. Yeah, it did, did go back. But there's no songs for any other holidays either. So I mean, Easter. Easter. Easter, I mean, <laughs> other than Christian songs for, like, Easter, but... What are your thoughts, Sawyer? A week before Thanksgiving. A week before? Oh, yes, actually you gotta blasphemy. be thankful. That's just so wrong. I just can't agree with <laughs> There's no Thanksgiving songs, <laughs> no I think I agree with Garrison. The day after Thanksgiving? Yeah. Well, that's just my family's crazy. tradition, too, how we set up um, Christmas decorations the day after Thanksgiving mm. every year. That was like the start of Christmas time, just in my mind. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're about to start reading this book. I actually read a chapter early, um, which is unusual for me. <laughs> um, none of y'all have started this yet. No, either. I have not. Okay. You have to tell us about it. So, <laughs> what is it? I will, Garrison. Thank you for the uh, question. So, it's called The Cure. And I really like it because in the first chapter, um, God really just kind of, I guess, laid on my heart a lot of what I've been learning lately, and that's about grace and mercy. Mm-hmm. And I love how this paints that picture really well. I'm not going to spoil it for you guys because y'all haven't read it yet, uh, so that way you can, I guess, get the experience. But he illustrates it, like, really well um, instead of just straight up saying it kind of like I guess some of our other books do. He says it in a story, Hmm. and I like that. Um, But it's really weird because it reminded me a lot of something that I had written lately. And I'm trying to find what one thing stood out to me. Um, Where was it? 
Oh, by the way, this is The Cure, right? Did yes. you mention the name? This is The Cure. The Cure. By, it? like, three people, I think. Like, John oh. Lynch, Bruce McNally, and Bill Thrall. Okay. I might have butchered that name. I have not heard of those people. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Basically, what it's talking about is how everyone is walking around with a mask on and how there's these two roads. There's the road of pleasing God or the road of trusting in God. And a lot of times people may think those are kind of the same path, but there's a difference. And one of those people are wearing a mask in a sense, kind of like um, faking it. And on the other side, people are just real and I thought that was honestly really relevant to the start of this because like we just in our generation like how real do you guys think we are like y'all I mean I guess for me I may not be that real but like for y'all how real would y'all say y'all are in your conversations I think um, after coming here I've definitely become a lot more real Um, but that doesn't mean that um, I, I feel like I've been pretty genuine in a lot of my conversations that I've had, but I know that some people kind of struggle with that. Um, and I think there is a pull, at least in Generation Z, to be more genuine, uh, at least more than other generations, uh, even though social media kind of uh, puts a damper on that and you know there is a platform called be real <laughs> so there is like a pull towards genuineness even in that but at the mm-hmm. same time be real is not anywhere close to reality for people and uh, I think that people definitely do tend to put a mask on I agree with what you're saying yeah what are y'all's I'm inclined to say, like, oh, yeah, I'm super real all the time. Um, just because I think I'm probably pretty good at fooling myself. Uh, but the reality is, like, at every moment of every day, like, it's running through my head, like, what image is this presenting to other people? And if I don't like it, I'm going to try to change it, um, which is pretty much the definition of being unreal or um, unauthentic. Which is just something that I feel like it's so easy for us not to even notice it. It comes so naturally to us. Um, but yeah, if I'm being completely honest, I, um, I'm definitely not a fully authentic person. It's always, always at least a little bit of a mask. Yeah. yeah. I mean, definitely. With social media and then from myself, it takes energy and effort to be truly honest with others. And conversation might not, it takes time. And you might not want to, quote unquote, waste others' time. Yeah. And I know for me, that's where I can get into my head. I mean, I applaud each of you just for even being willing to join me on this podcast right now. And I guess just kind of take off that mask um really for not only for us i guess to get stronger in our relationships and our, our in our relationship with god um but also on a third level of just letting our audience even in um yeah so i think that's a really cool 
not even first step because I'm sure God's brought you many steps before this, but just a, another cool step. Mm-hmm. What would, actually, it was you I wanted to ask. What would you say grace looks like in application to this? Very good question. Uh, specifically to being authentic? Yes. Hmm. And it can be with others or, I guess, in a relationship with God or even right. yourself. I think the most central thing is if you find your identity in Christ, right? And that's all grace, right? So, like, my own identity, just me, myself, on my own, what I can do, who I am, really, is nowhere. Mm-hmm. Nowhere at all. Uh, it's lost and, in that sense, useless, right? And coming from that place, I have good reason to put on a mask. I have very good reason. Because there really is something to hide, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty ugly, if we're being honest. Yeah. We're broken. Uh, we're very broken people. But then comes grace, right? And by no work of my own, nothing that I've done, suddenly... I find my identity not in that, not in that brokenness, but in the living God, right? Mm-hmm. In Jesus Christ, who is perfect. And God looks at me and he says, with you I am well pleased, right? Mm-hmm. Before God, I stand with Christ in me. I am equated, made one with Christ. And so God looks at me and says, you are my son with whom I'm well pleased. That's incredible. Like, that's amazing. And if from that point, you can, like, actually start to realize and believe that, that my identity is founded upon nothing else except what God thinks and says of me, then suddenly there's no reason to put on a mask. None at all. Mm. Because... Even if everybody were to see you for who you are and were to say, wow, that's just hideous, it wouldn't matter because your true identity is what God says. And God says with you, I am well pleased. Like, that's incredible. And I think that's so liberating. The moment we can truly grasp that, we would be made completely free. And even the idea of trying to change our, the way that we're perceived by other people just becomes absurd because it just doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Does let, me, let me ask you a question, diving into the Colombo tactic, which we'll discuss next time. <laughs> um, but what do you mean by well-pleased? Like, is God well-pleased with us? Is God well-pleased with Jesus within us? Or like, What does that look like? Yeah. Um, I think that when we put our trust in Christ, we are, in a rather literal literal sense, we become one with him. Mm -hmm. We are crucified with him. We are resurrected with him, right? And our old self dies. It is forgotten completely, right? 
So given that, if I stand before God today and he is to judge me, what is there for him to say, I am, I am displeased? What is there? There's nothing. Not a single thing. Instead, what he sees is an image of Christ, hmm. an image of God himself. And with that, he is well pleased. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty yeah. cool. It <laughs> is. Do you all have yeah. anything you want to add? I, I think that ties into Romans saying how Christ became sin so that we would become the righteousness of God or uh, dang it, I forget the exact reference to that verse but uh, forgive me for you're good it's yeah. grace um, but I guess the application of your question also pertains not um, not only uh, to God's grace towards us but also our grace towards others who um, may be Christian or even non-believers. Uh, the moment we show grace to someone else for something that they've done or something that they've been trying to hide um, or something that they've done to us, it, it makes them more genuine uh, just, just by the nature of grace. Mm-hmm. Because if they know that they don't have to hide that so that we wouldn't get mad at them or angry at them. They're going to become more genuine and show more of their actual, true, broken selves. Uh, so I, I guess that's just another application. And um, if, if we show that to others, they can sort of see a tiny, tiny glimpse of what that can look like if God did that to them entirely. Uh, was was so gracious to them as to forgive them everything that they've done in the past. Um, so that would venture into um, the other application. Yeah, I want to dive into that right after this break. <laughs> All right. All right. We're back. So we're back from the break, um, and we're going to, I guess, kind of share some verses on this. First, I wanted to say one verse, um, and then Garrison actually found the verse he was looking for. The verse, I guess, I kind of thought of was Romans 8, 1, which says, There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And I just thought that was really cool because it was like, whenever we choose to entrust our lives to Jesus, God then doesn't see us and all of our sins. He sees Jesus, who has cleansed our sins. Um, But what was the verse you were thinking of? Yeah. um, Mine, I thought it was in Romans. Actually, 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Uh, So that's uh, that really just ties into the idea that, I mean, same thing here, uh, that... Uh, we are viewed by God as as um, righteous just because Jesus was. I mean, it's it's uh, penal substitution. Uh, I believe that's what it's called. Fancy words that we learn. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah. He, Can you share what that word means? Yeah, so penalty, <laughs> like um, he took our penalty that we deserved. Uh, 
so penalty substitution is really what it's what it stands for um, and it's really just the idea that because our debt has been paid we are viewed as righteous as sinless mm-hmm. uh, not that God literally made Jesus into sin I mean in in a literal sense he he took the punishment for sin uh, but sin itself I mean of course God cannot be in the presence of sin uh, but what it, I think what it means I mean I'm not like a versed Bible scholar but when it says it made him to be sin is it made him the debtor that that needed to pay for the sin and we became in the righteousness of God not that we are becoming God in some uh, Eastern Hindu sense but mm-hmm. in the sense that uh, we it's as if we had never sinned um, that's how we were viewed in God's eyes um, yeah but yeah and we even though we might still sin uh, those sins are forgiven before we've even committed them and uh, Paul also talks about how it is the sin with, that is within me my flesh that is committing these sins uh, not my essential being um, and wait Sawyer did you have something to share about that yeah. about Dallas Willard yes <laughs> Dallas Willard and Grace because we were talking about penalty yeah and in our studying of Dallas Willard we learned about living in God's grace yeah and so just breathing in God paid for me. And the closer we get to God, the more we are aware of our debt and the penalty. And again, it's a cycle of living in God's grace and then we're more aware of our sin and then we live in God's grace more. Yeah. I like, um, kind of, I guess, to bring this all together. Um, so again, I said this had a beautiful illustration. <laughs> but... Um, is it da, da, na, na. okay um <laughs> sorry y- y'all did not hear me singing um okay basically i want to read it word for word just because yes okay so can i hug you Sawyer? of course okay so <laughs> give me a hug okay so imagine a big warm bear hug and I like how this uh, put it, because this is literally what God's been kind of teaching me lately. Um, it was saying, I was actually not on the right page. Okay, so, God, this is literally from this. It says, in a sense, God, which it says he, but he pulls me into a bear hug so tight it knocks the breath out of me for a moment. At first, I feel unworthy. I want to push away and cry out, I don't deserve this. Please stop. I'm not who you think I am. But he does know. And soon I give in to his embrace. I hear him say, I know. I know. I've known you from before time began. I've seen it all. I'm right here with you. I've got you. And now I'm holding on with all my might. He stays right there in the moment until he's certain his love has been completely communicated and received. Only then does he release his grip so he can 
turn to put an arm on my shoulder. <laughs> he then directs my sight to that mound of filth now in front of us. After several moments with a straight face, he says, That is a lot of sin, a whole lot of sin. Don't you ever sleep? <laughs> he starts to laugh. I start to laugh. And that's just kind of like an illustration of um, God just giving us a big warm bear hug. And like even in uh, 1 Corinthians um, 13, I don't know if y'all remember whenever I shared this at the prayer time. But like 1 Corinthians 13, 7, love bears all things. So just imagine like a big warm bear hug <laughs> from God taking on all of your sins and your burdens with his grace and not only just hugging you and taking it on but like squeezing it out of you like toothpaste <laughs> like you're trying to get it out of the container um yeah so any final thoughts on grace that we do not deserve um grace uh, an analogy that i heard recently i forget where it was uh, but it was the idea that grace is not only uh, God removing what we've done, but also enabling us to do more than we thought we could do. Mm -hmm. um, so the process of sanctification is basically fueled by grace. And in Renovation of the Heart, Dallas Willard talked about how sinners, um, they don't use more grace uh, just because they have more sins it's it would be the saints who use more grace because they they're, they're aware of running their sin. yeah they're, they're aware of their sin and they're running their life off of God's grace using his grace in order to do good works but also just train themselves for godliness mm -hmm. uh, which is I think something that might be missing from a lot of people's view of grace is the idea that uh, we, we just always need to be renewed with God's grace uh, every day to enable us to uh, resist temptation and just train ourselves in all different aspects of spiritual life. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining you guys and you guys for the first episode of Voice of Truth. I'm excited to see what God does through just even this relationship or even this relationship or, you know, so many different relationships going on here. <laughs> um, but yeah. Any, okay. any ideas of what future episode, episodes might be? The next be? episode, we will be debating whether or not chairs exist. Goodbye. Oh, I love this topic. Yeah, Bring Noah on here. Let's do it. I am. Nice. That's the plan. Did we all watch the Yo, sus video? I'm no. Uh, I was a watched it. On yeah. Particularly. Yeah, yeah, I've watched that one. It's really good. But Noah, he's going to go off. I know, he's going to go crazy. But, but I, I really want to yeah. be a part I of that I think too. the main purpose of that video will be to learn, kind of, I mentioned this earlier, how to discuss topics and how to, like, I guess, use Colombo tactics. Yeah. And so we'll be using that in that argument mm -hmm. to figure out whether or not chairs exist. So sweet little teaser. Um, but yeah. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>